I'm your host, Lewis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, tune to us. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? 291-6901. We'll get you right straight to us. That's right. And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Wish you would. We really appreciate hearing from everybody from all around the country and all around the town. And even all around the world, if you're willing to get up in a different time zone. There you go. You just get up and give us a call at 291-6901, Eric 225 And, you know, just in case you can't call in during the show or maybe think of something during the week next week right. after the show's gone off the air or even next week at midnight mm-hmm. you can always get your questions answered by going to our website which is agcoauto.com that is a g c o a u t o there is a contact bar on each and every page just click the button fill out the little form and send it in there you go. couldn't be much easier than that that's right that'll get you right on straight to us and you can get an answer back to whatever may be bugging you or yep. ailing you. <laughs> you know, during the week, I'm generally sitting at my computer, so you can get an answer back probably within a couple of hours. And You're right. On the weekends, I try to catch it at least twice a day, so it's never going to be very long. So, guaranteed 24 hours. That's right. Let's put it that way and leave it at that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, Josh and I were in the studio. We were uh-huh. talking about some of the different facets of the auto repair business, and one thing we did not get to go into that kind of occurred to me, and I had a incident this week at kind of brought it up to me or, or kind of brought it more even to my mind. And that is a lot of people will assume certain things about auto service okay. that may or may not be so. And that can get you into problems a lot of times. For instance, a lot of times people will come in, say, get an oil change on their car. And they assume that that's going to be a general inspection. But uh-huh. it's not an oil change. It's, it's an, an oil, oil change. change. Correct. They're going to change the oil. And as a courtesy, most Shops will check the fluid levels and kind of, if they see something, they're going to tell you about it. But that is not the same as a general inspection. So if you come in for an oil change and then, say, a week later, you have a problem, why didn't y'all check that? Well, because you're not paying them or asking them to do a general inspection of the vehicle. Exactly. You came in and asked for a service. Do an oil change. And so what it is, you can't assume that. They're going to do a full inspection of the car because, obviously, time is money, and it takes time to do that. Up to an hour to do a proper inspection of a vehicle. You have to pull the wheels. You have to go in, scan the memory of the computer, and on and on and on, all the different things. You disassemble certain components and such as that. So if you want a general inspection, you need to ask for a general inspection. Correct. Now, another thing sort of right along those lines, if you self-direct your services— for instance, a lot of folks will come in and say, I want you to change my fuel filter, I want you to change the coolant, and I want you to service the transmission. Right. Okay, well, we're going to do the things you ask. And what we're going to take in at that point, you are self-directing your service. In other words, you are going to do all the work. You're going to see what's due, when it's due. And some folks like to do that. Right. Other people don't like doing that. But you can't assume that the shop is just automatically do all that, you have to come in and ask for a general inspection or a maintenance review or something along those lines because it takes a quite a bit of time to check all the things that might be due at a certain mileage, see if they've been done or not on your particular car, and then go through the file and blah, 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 blah. I mean, you can eat up quite a bit of time doing that. So a shop is generally not going to just do all those things. And you may not want them to do those things. We've got a lot of customers. What a lot of people don't realize is that 
the way they see service is the way they think everyone does. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. There are people that if they come in and you make a recommendation to them for anything, they're going to get angry. Sure. I didn't tell you to check that. Exactly. And when a shop like the size of Agco, we have 15,000 customers. Every one of those 15,000 customers it's likes di- to do things slightly different. Exactly. So I can't possibly remember every way that every person wants to do things. You have to tell me. You know, you can't come in and just assume I'm going to guess or mm-hmm. even that I'm going to remember necessarily how every person wants to do things. Had a lady. She has a, a gentleman who brings a car in for her because she, okay. she doesn't like driving. And we did something on the car, and I noticed something, so I made a note on the invoice for her. Okay. And she said, why didn't you call me? I said, well, because I made a note on the invoice, and I discussed it with a gentleman who brought the car in. Well, i like you to call me. Well, I don't know that. Right. I, I, I've I got to know that yeah, up front. I, I did, wrote it down on the invoice, and then if you want to know more about it, you can call me, and I'll be glad to discuss it with you. Uh-huh. Or you can tell the man who brings the car in, hey, call the lady that owns the car. But, again, you have to tell the shop how you want to do business. You can't just assume that everyone is going to want to do it the way that you do it. Right. And another thing is that if you assume that a certain thing is wrong with the car and you go in and ask for that service and you don't give them the symptoms, then you are very likely to come up with the wrong fix. Exactly, because that in itself right there, when you go in and ask for a service, you've mm-hmm. got to understand how the, the systems work. Right. And it's a lot for a technician to remember, much less a customer, individual car owner, Mm -hmm. to figure out how these systems work. Take a transmission in case. The Mm -hmm. transmission's not shifting correctly. It's not a rebuild transmission. Now there's so many inputs that affect that transmission that give you the same symptom as a bad transmission used to give you. Right. So now you go in and ask for a service. You get the car back. The transmission's been serviced. You still have the same problem. That's right. Then there's a big argument between the shop and the owner of the vehicle about but the owner asked for service exactly he did not come in and say after i drive 75 miles the check this, engine light comes on and it starts to shift hard correct he didn't say that he correct. said i want a transmission service and that's what he got so the shop brings it in they do a transmission service, do a perfect job right mm-hmm. on time exactly the price quoted everything just right but now the customer's angry because they didn't make their exactly. wishes known exactly that's why our shop works so well because if if the problem doesn't get completely communicated through the front office, mm-hmm. we can get on the phone and talk to the customer right. themselves and get the exact complaint, figure out what's going on with the car. Every time I work on one, I want to know the symptoms. Yeah, specifically what, what are we is trying it doing? to fix here. Right. Because a technician can fix almost anything as long as he knows what, what he's, he's trying fixing. to fix. Exactly. And he can see the symptoms of what he's doing. But you, ha- you can't just come in and assume it's going to be this, this, this. Very, very often folks will call and they'll say, I need a tune-up. Uh-huh. Okay, why is it that you want to do that? Well, I just, I just need a tune-up. You're not having any problems, any symptoms, or anything. Nope, just want a tune-up. Well, what he really is trying to communicate is that when the car is ice cold in the morning first start, it cranks it over too many times. He has wrongly assumed that that's the tune-up, tune-up. is going to fix it. So the shop gets the car. They do a perfect tune-up. And it. with the same symptom, when they get the car, it's already hot because right. the well, customer's driven in. in. So he's not so, ever going to see an exactly. crank. He just cranks it, cranks right up, does what he's told to do. And when you get the car back the next morning, the it's customer's on, He's on the phone again. And now he's mad because he didn't fix the car. Well, right. he can't fix the car because you didn't tell him what you were trying to fix. There's basically what you have to communicate to a shop is one of two things. What is it that you want the car to do that it's not doing now? Or number two, what is it you don't want the car to do that it is doing now? Correct. If you can communicate those things 
and better yet, show the shop those things. Show the technician. Show the technician, right. What it is. Because words being what they are, it's kind of hard. You're talking to a service writer. They're trying to relay the message to a tech. Right. The message was wrong to start with. <laughs> then it goes through a couple of hands. That's why so very, very often people get cars back and they're not correctly fixed. Exactly. And we have gone through extensive, extensive training. You know, when you call the shop and talk to any of the ladies that answer the phone, they're going to they're gonna grill you. And you may even become annoyed at some point. But they're going to find out what it is. They need what, to, we need to know. They've been trained to do that. So don't get annoyed when you call up and ask for a certain specific service and they ask you why. Because they have to know why you want to do that. Sure. Now, let's just say your car has 100,000 miles on it. Okay. You have no problem whatsoever. And you've looked in the manual and see you need the spark plugs replaced. Well, that's fine. And what you say is, I'd like the spark plugs replaced because I have 100,000 miles on right. the car. Exactly. Not when you walk in, I need a tune-up. Right. Because a tune-up doesn't involve just spark plugs right. anymore. You know, it's not really even a... I don't even like the term tune-up anymore. Well, it's anymore. really an obsolete term. It just There's certain words like that that really shouldn't exist any longer. Tune-up is one of them. Break, break jo- job. Break jobs. No, there's no yep. such thing as a break job. There's break services. And depending on what, you know, people are, how much is a break job? Well, man, that's crazy. Nobody knows. Because the only, it, the only person that knows is the technician is going to check it and tell you what, what after it needs. he's checked it. Right. Or, or the rotors below discard. Have the shims be thrown away the last time they did the job because a set of shims can cost $80. Sure. It's got some junk aftermarket pads right. on it. You or know, the, the hoses the dry rotted. Or exactly. is a caliper hanging up or the slide seized up? Is it front and rear? Is it just front? I mean, on and on sure. and on we could go. So when you walk in and use these terms, I know they used to kind of sort of make some sense, or at least we thought they did. They probably never really did. But these are the reasons why people get such poor service because I'll tell you – the number of shops that are still around, most of the ones that are still around are pretty good. They are. Most of the the bad shops, I'd say. Have kind of yeah, they, weeded themselves yeah, they've out. they've gotten weeded out over the years. So the majority of the shops in business today are pretty good. I mm-hmm. mean, there's probably some exceptions out there, those that have slipped through the cracks or what have you. Well, there's some not-so-good ones, and then there's some real great ones. That's right. But at any place of business, and whether it's a shop or a dry cleaner or Doesn't matter. a restaurant, you have to make your needs clear to the guy who's going to do the service that you're trying to get exactly it's sort of like if you go to your accountant and you don't tell him or if you go to your attorney if, if you're getting legal problems you go to your attorney and you don't tell him what why are you there yeah you, you yeah don't, you don't like if, if you lie to him <laughs> exactly it's probably going to come out in court at the worst possible time so exactly yeah, never ever ever try to do that and same thing with your doctor you wouldn't go to the doctor and try to hold back the symptoms right i mean that that's a given there he's right. he's going to take those symptoms and from what those symptoms He's going to decide what tests we need to run to take care of these symptoms. Right. That's just that's the way a doctor works, well, and that's the same way an automotive exactly auto same repair should be. It is diagnosis either way, and all diagnosis is based on symptoms and history. Mm-hmm. That's where you start is with the symptoms and history. If you have a history of this vehicle or a history of vehicles like this, and it's doing a certain thing, just to save money, you can go to the most common things first. Sure. If you come into me and you have a slight misfire on a Ford product. We're going for calls. I'm going to look at the calls sure. first off because the history of that vehicle is that it eats up ignition calls. Exactly. Now, if you come in with a Chevy pickup with we're a misfire, go... I'm not even going to look at the call. Right. We're going to go somewhere different. I don't think I've ever changed an ignition I don't think call we have Chevy either. pickup. I'm going to look at other things that are more common. Now, for instance, if it's a misfire when it's cold, I'm going to look, look at the intake vac- gaskets right, Vacuum leak. Because they had a problem with those intake gaskets. Right. And when the, when the vehicle's cold, they can leak, which will cause a misfire. And we like to call those pattern failures. Right. 
And pattern failure is just a way to save money on diagnosis because you can go to that first. Correct. Hey, we got to take a quick little break. Herb and Russ, you hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Hey, Lewis Alzan, Magco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and you won't believe the people calling in to congratulate us. Hey, Lewis, it's Jay. You, you know, I'm in the cars myself, and 40 years of business is amazing, just amazing. You know, if I still had my show, I'd have you in the interview chat just like that. Mr. Altazan, congratulations from your old pal Jack. 40 years is quite an accomplishment, and that's the truth. I should know, because I can handle the truth. Uh, uh, Lewis, it's, it's me, Oz. 40 years. I, I can't even... Bloody amazing. Sharon, where's my cell phone? Oh, that's right. I, I, I'm on it. Now I've got to find my glasses. Well, it's been really nice getting all these calls. I guess in this day and age, people really appreciate an automotive repair shop that does good work and will never steal your own. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us. Automotive Hour. <laughs> <I'm>, hello. <laughs> I'm going to start over again? There you go. I guess so, man. <laughs> Louis Aldezan and Mr. Brian Terry. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And we're going to our phone lines. Herb, good morning, Herb. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning, both of y'all. I'm going to Seattle for two off along in my Honda Ridgeline okay. all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. And I got about three questions. It's primarily front wheel drive, and when it starts slipping, the rear kicks in. Okay, that's the way it is. No, it's all wheel drive, but it can. It's got like a differential in the transfer case that can allow the four wheels to turn different speeds because it has to when it goes around corners and all. But basically, all four wheels pull all the time on it. Okay. Well, then the next question: If I were to have a problem, a wreck, or a whatever. If I took the rear drive shaft loose and we got the front end off the ground, if I couldn't get some truck that would carry the whole car, that would probably do me to get somewhere, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. In fact, I'm not sure, Herb, if you can't tow that one with the rear wheels on the ground. I know yeah. a lot of the Hondas you can because they have some kind of a device in there that allows that to be done. Well, it said in the manual there that it must be carried, you know. Okay, so, okay. yeah. I know, like the CRVs, you can yeah. tow them flat. That's why a lot of people put them behind motorhomes. Well, now we're talking about flat versus a two car dolly, correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah, you start getting, okay. getting the front wheel off the ground. Yeah, if you right. pull a dry shaft, you don't harm no fire. Yeah. That pretty much totally disable it. Okay, well, it says also if you have a tire failure, you should replace all four tires. So that's- Well, yes and no. What they don't want is one tire that's a lot more rubber than the other three. In other words, let's say the tires are worn down to 3.30 seconds and you put a new tire in there with 12.30 seconds. That's going to be a problem mm-hmm. because that one tire is turning a different speed. But let's say you got 5,000 miles on your tires. Well, no, I mean, you got within reason. If they're all roughly the same size, and okay. when I say roughly, within like a couple 30 seconds of an inch, because a tire diameter is going to always affect the way the all-wheel drive works. It's rotating all that stuff when it shouldn't be rotated. Right. Okay. Well, I would just... I've never had one of these before. I've had the other kind where you drive across the driveway in four-wheel drive, and you have to back up to get it. Yeah. To get it on home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Y'all. Thank you very much. All right. All right. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we always enjoy hearing from you. And we've got Russ online. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, sir. I have a question. Sure. My son has a 2011 Chrysler 200. Okay. He's in the military. He's overseas. Mm-hmm. And I'm storing a car here. Uh-huh. What's the best way to, I mean, how often do I need to change the oil? I'm 
I crank it up every week that it runs about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. I already put some stable in the gasoline. Yeah. Russ, that's just not going to be enough because letting it sit and run really doesn't – I mean, it's better not doing anything at all. Right. But it's not the same as driving the car. The best thing to do with that car is maybe swap it out with your personal car, drive it one week, and then let it sit while you drive your other car a week. Maybe just alternate weeks with it. That would be That best. would be a lot better. Yeah. Than just letting it sit. I mean, there's just absolutely nothing worse than just letting a car sit. And if so what about just, how long just is he going to be deployed? He's going to be gone for three years. Three years? Wow. Man, Russ, yeah, I believe I'd sell that car and buy another one when he gets back. <laughs> I mean, you'd be better off. <laughs> you'd be better off, I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, well, this car only has 30,000 miles. Yeah, I know. Oh, sure. Yeah, I know, but good. You'll get a good price for it. But I'm telling you, the effort it takes to keep that car going for three years is astronomical. And I tell you, if you go to my website, and just type storing car in a little search bar. I've got two articles in there that go into that in depth. Okay. And nobody ever wants to get rid of a car, but you know, it, to store that car for three years, man, it's extremely hard on it. It's losing value every day of those three years. It's going to be worth less in three years than it is right now. He would certainly be better to go ahead and sell that car in three years, buy another one just like it if he wants, or buy okay. whatever he wants when he gets back. I mean, it just. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just saying, from a mechanical standpoint, that would make way, way more sense. But barring that, you're going to need to drive that car. Yeah. You're going to need to drive it, burn the gas out of it, put new gas in it, you just maintain it like you were a regular car. I'd like to see you drive at least once a week. But drive at least once a week about how many miles, you think? 20, 25 miles. Right. 20, 25 miles. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I can do that. Okay. Be that would be better. way, way, way better. Yes, sir. But again, okay. like I said, what I'm concerned, number one, you're paying for a car, or at least you got money tied up in a car that's losing value every day. You know, in three years, it's going to be worth about half what it's worth today because okay. that's just the nature of cars. Right. Yep. It's just sitting there going down in value, rubber's deteriorating, things happen. It needs to be washed, it needs to be waxed. I mean, all these things, uh, you may even have to be putting insurance on all that period of time. I mean, when you add up the cost of keeping that car, you could get rid of it and get another one when he gets back way, way easier. Okay. Just I'll, something uh, to think about. You know, yeah. just, just I'll run that by him and, and see and everything. So sure. I, I appreciate okay, it. Okay, guys. Thanks, Carl. All right. Man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I, we'd love to have you. And we're going to try to catch one more call for the break. we got Trey on line. Good morning, Trey. Hey, Lewis. How are you? Doing great, sir. I have a 2003 Chevy Express van. I actually sent you an email about this issue earlier this week okay. where when I drive it, the headlights are flipping back and forth between high and low beam, okay. regardless of the, the switch. Of the lever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I had thought that was that was a problem with the lever, and I bought one, and I was able to swap it out, mm-hmm. but that's yeah. not the problem, yeah, I, right? That's why I told you in the email. I doubt that's going to be the switch. Yeah. Possible, so, but not likely. So I've been doing some more research mm-hmm. and looking at wiring diagrams, and I see there's this thing called a body control module yes. that looks... Is that where you would look next? No, body control module is not going to control bright dim. That controls a lot of functions and may even cut the headlights on and off, but I don't think it's going to go bright dim. Now, are you sure it's going from bright dim and not going on and off? No, I'm positive because I was driving it the other night, Mm -hmm. um, and I was watching the headlights. You know, you can tell when they switch from bright to dim, you know, going up and down, and the little blue light was going on and off as it was switching back and forth. So it's, it's actually being commanded. Could be a bad relay or a short to one of the relays could be a, that operates the think, high or I the low beam. I think it's got a high beam relay it, on it. It's got both, I believe, Yeah, a high and a low. You see, high beam and low beam is just two filaments in the same bulb. Right. And if you've got, say, I'm not sure actually, how. Actually, there's two separate bulbs. 
for high and low? Yes, sir. Now, some do. Check and see if it's a high beam relay and a low beam relay, and then trace those circuits. See, if the low beam is on and it commands high beam, the low beam may still be on, but you won't see it. The high beam will override it. Uh-huh. So it sounds like probably the low beam's not going off and it's switching. It's probably just turning the high beam on because to switch it, that'd be pretty difficult. For the high beam to come on intermittently when it shouldn't would be more likely. So I would be looking at things in the high beam circuit, see what controls that circuit, and see it's probably controlled on the ground side. I don't know that without seeing a wiring diagram. But if something is touching ground that shouldn't be like a loose wire or something that's going ground, it may be grounding the relay and firing off the high beams. Mm-hmm. Because it, the low beam may still be on, but the high beam comes on, and the only way to tell that's with a voltmeter on it when it happens to see if you still got voltage to the low beam. <laughs> because I really doubt it dropping the low and going to high. That would be pretty difficult. Well, I know you're a lot more experienced at this than I am. Mm-hmm. That's definitely what it seems to me like it is doing because it's a distinct. Yeah, I know, but dis- how would you know? All, uh, well, all you I, see is the beam come up. See, so it's high I, on. It's going to still do the same thing. I understand. It, uh, it. I can't mimic it while it's sitting still. It only yeah. happens while I'm driving. I would chase that high beam circuit because I think if you try to see what's switching, you could probably get off on a tangent. Get uh, off. Get off on a wrong. I'm pretty sure. You know what you could do if you're pretty handy. Sounds like you are is to run a wire to the low-beam circuit, uh-huh. run it into the vehicle, and hook your voltmeter up there so that you can see it when it occurs. Okay. Or even put a, a little light, put a little LED or something in the truck tied to the low-beam circuit. Okay. When the high beam comes on, if that low beam goes off, then you're looking at a whole different situation. You look at some kind of a switching problem, right. which I can't imagine what that would be. But if that stays on when the high beam overrides, then you're looking at something in the high-beam circuit, which is, I think is far more likely. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate you, Gal. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we've got to take one more quick little break. But, hey, we'll be right back with a whole lot more. Hi, it's Louis Altazan from Agco Automotive. It's our 40-year anniversary, and the phone's been ringing off the hook with congrats from far and wide. Good day, and congratulations from Buckingham Palace. Next time you're in London, Lewis, you must stop by for tea. I'm restoring an old Aston Martin and have some questions about the timing adjustments. Hope to see you soon. Lewis, it's your nanny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wanted to call and tell you how proud I am of you. Forty years is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> ho, 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 Lewis. Fixing cars right the first time for over 40 years. You've been a very good boy. I think I have something special for you this year. Keep up the good work. See, calls from far and wide. I guess 40 years of high-quality work really means a lot to people and keeps me on the nice list. Now I can't wait for Christmas. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, two to us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901. We were talking just a second ago to the gentleman with the headlight. Uh-huh. And the reason I stress that you can't assume that they're switching, because it's one of those things like, it, let's say we've got two wheel bearings that are bad. Okay. One is extremely bad, very noisy, and screaming. the other one's just got a little slight roar in it. Uh-huh. You will not ever hear the one with a little slight roar until you fix the other one. Exactly. Because all you hear is the big, loud roar. We run into that all the time at the shop. Right. You fix that one. Now you can hear a very low roar on the other side or rattle or squeak or whatever. That's whatever quite frequent. You... 
And the same thing with the headlights. When the high beam comes on, the beams are going to pick up. And it overrides. You don't Basically, it's brighter than the low beams, right. so it overrides them. Right. And you can't really see the low beams on right. unless you're standing in front of the vehicle. Right, when it occurs. When it occurs. And so we had that where I get people coming and they say, man, both my headlights went out at the same time. Uh-huh. And you check, he's got two burned out bulbs. He said, well, how could two bulbs burn out at the same time? They didn't. One bulb burned out. You didn't know because you still had light. Exactly. When the second bulb burned out, then you then had you, no light. You just made a false assumption that they both went out at the same time uh-huh. because you lost light at that point. Now, one pertinent fact that he did mention, and that is the little indicator in the dash comes on. When the high beams, when the come, high on. beams come on. So right. what I would do is I'd want to trace that wiring diagram, see where that dash input comes from. Right. Either it comes from the body control module as a command. Right. Or it comes from the other side of the relay, right. the light side of the if relay. If it's tied to the light side of the relay, then we know the relay is being energized, and, and that then makes you need it a little bit easier. Why the relay is right. being energized. If it's class 2 serial data coming out of the body module, we still don't know a whole lot, but it's worth tracing that down because it may give you some input sure. into where to start looking. You can take a lot from a wiring diagram if you know how to read it and interpret it. Right. You can get a, a whole lot of diagnosis done without even going to the vehicle. Well, it's sort of like we talked about before, giving the shop all the information. And, uh-huh. you know, if you come in and say, my headlights are switching back and forth, they're going to start looking at a whole lot of things that probably don't need to be looked at. Right. Whereas if you tell them, hey, the lights get bright every once in a while, and then that little indicator comes on, it says bright at the same time, you've just given them a whole lot more information. You've probably cut the diagnostic time in half. That's right. Just with that little bit of that symptom. one little piece of information. Right. Because they're going to have to drive it until it occurs and hope they notice the little light coming on. Correct. Just to get that one little pertinent piece of information. But, yeah, you need to trace that down first. It may go nowhere. Like I said, if it's a class two serial data out of the body module, then it probably is not going to help you a whole lot. Now, could the body module cause that? Yes, it probably could. Possibly. But I don't think, I think you'd have other problems along with it. Right. So it would be further down my list of things to check. Well, and that's where understanding a wiring diagram comes in. We took a class not too long ago Mm -hmm. and the the gentleman teaching the class was wonderful. He says, take your wiring diagram, go through it and figure out everything that is controlled by this circuit. circuit. Mm-hmm. and start narrowing it down from there before you even go to the vehicle. That's right. And that way you know when you get to the vehicle, hey, i got to check this and this. Mm-hmm. The rest of this stuff, we don't have to check. That's right. So it cuts the diagnostic time way, way yeah. down. And, of course, time is money. Exactly. And not only that, but you can get off on a tangent. If you start checking too many things, you may see something that you think is wrong. And it may it not may, be wrong. It may not be wrong, or it may be a little off spec, but it's not causing a problem. You waste a whole bunch of time money tracing that issue down. It's a non-issue. Sure. And still hadn't gotten to the real issue. Sure. So just some more tips there. I hope you're still listening in. Let's go back to our phone lines. Joe, good morning, Joe. Hey, Lewis. Hey. I talked to y'all last week when you had transmission guy. Josh. Josh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a little 2003 Honda, and I was telling him about it. I had, about two years ago, I had what they call the rotary valve assembly chain. Okay. It's like it says intake manifold. Yeah, it's for an intake manifold. That, the way that one works, Joe, it's kind of like a four-barrel carburetor and two-barrel carburetor. Not exactly, but... It opens passages in the intake to allow more air to flow when the vehicle's running faster and cuts back so that the air moves faster when the vehicle's going slower. So it gives you peppy low-end performance and also gives you better high-end performance. Some of them use an actuator. That one uses a rotary valve that turns it. Well, ever since I had that change, this thing doesn't shift. I mean, it shifts, but sometimes it's like I'm doing 20 right. of the downfall. Yeah, it's the same last week. I mean, we just got to get in yeah. and check it. You know, but, yeah, okay, that, well, all, all that is an input to the computer, definitely. Okay, so will you have to check that first or him? No, either way. I mean, if you want to take it back to him, I think you said you'd been back a couple of times and you couldn't find it. 
But yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, it's been two years ago. I yeah, just that, quit. I said, that is definitely it. anything that controls the throttle is going to control the shift points because sure. it looks okay. at the throttle to decide when to shift. You know, if you got okay. the pedal on the floor, it's going to do one thing. If you got the pedal halfway, it's going to do something else. If you barely down ten percent on the pedal, it's going to do something else again. Right. So all that is tied into the throttle. So it's going to all give a bad input or a different input. And see, it may not even be a big problem. It may just be something that wasn't the same as it was before. Yeah. So well, that's where you'd start out putting a scan tool on it, watching the throttle position, watch the commands to the input to the transmission and see what's being commanded and then go from yeah. there, you know. So what does a service cost on it? Well, it's not a transmission service that you need. You need to find out why it's shifting okay. wrong at the wrong time. Right. A transmission okay. service is just just where you drain the fluid and change the fluid. If it hadn't been done in the last 30,000 miles, it needs to be done, but it's not going to help yeah. with that problem. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because like sometimes when I'm driving, you feel like a little shudder. Yeah, that's probably a separate know? issue. Yeah, that's, that a service may very well help with that. Yeah. But when you take it in, you need to let them know. Yeah. Hey, it's doing. Give them the symptoms. Yeah. Don't go in and ask All for of service. The symptoms. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm doing. I just call and make an appointment. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. Okay, man. All right, Joe. Thanks, thanks man. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to borrow the automotive hour, we always love hearing from you. Just give us a call. We'll try to help you out and point you in the right direction. You know, I can see that at going way wrong if. You go in and ask for a service somewhere. Well, and that's right. And Joe's a pretty sharp guy. He is. He's, uh, Sounded like it. Yeah, he's got a bunch, a bunch of cars. Got a really, really nice old Chrysler. That's hot. okay. Yeah, yeah. The bang per- light the went off. <laughs> the, the, the purple beast, the purple killer. That's right. Yeah. Got a bunch of cars, stuff, nose cars, and all right. that. But yeah, you know, if the average person has a problem that, let's say, occasionally it shifts wrong. You go in, you ask for a transmission service. You're well, going to get a transmission service. You're going to get a transmission service. Right. If the shop has no way to know that every once in a while this car shifts wrong. Unless it just happens to do it while the technician is doing his if test drive. If he goes test drive and it happens to occur, he may mention to you, oh, yeah, did yeah. you know you had a blah, blah, blah. Exactly. But, again, he's not going to go off spending your money checking that if you didn't complain about it. Exactly. Because I drive cars every single day that have things I consider to be a problem. The but the customer's customer, not worried about it. Exactly. I get in them all the time. What really gets you is the car comes in, the complaint is it's got a rattle in the front end. Right. Well, you go drive it, there's six rattles in it. Yeah. Which one are we well, trying to fix? But five of them have always been there. And this the customer's been, used to them. He doesn't even hear them anymore. He's wanting to it's know about the new one. has got a new rattle that bothers him. So that's why you have to be specific. If not, I'm going to trace down all six of these rattles. You're going to spend a whole lot of money on stuff you weren't worried about. Exactly. And, again, it's just a lack of communication. And it is incumbent on the shop to get the right information, but it's incumbent on the client to, to tell give. them, to give them the right information. Right. Particularly if you are elusive or very vague. We got some people come in and say, well, my car's not running right. Okay, what do you mean by that? I don't know. It's just not right. Something's well, not there, right. Yeah, there's absolutely no way I could ever tell you. I mean, what do you mean not right? And, again, that's a very subjective term. I drive thousands of cars. Every one of them drives slightly different. It does. This one drives slightly different the way it used to drive. I have no way to ever find that. No shop is ever going to be able to find that. You have to say what it does is yak, 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 yak. When and, I do this, when I do that, it does this. And oh. that's the customer that has the the poor experience. experiences. Uh, thank you. In automotive repair. Yeah, a lot of times you will you'll get a customer will call us and maybe they're calling from out of town, out of state, and they'll say, Man, I have been to I've been to fifteen shops and I keep having a problem. Well, odds are if you go into fifteen shops, you're probably not communicating because you probably didn't get fifteen bad shops in a row. Correct. I can understand one, I can understand two. Sure. But, but communication every is every time the key. you go in, you have a bad experience, odds are you're not communicating mm-hmm. or you're dealing with shops that are not 
trying to communicate with you. And I wrote an article years ago, shops are from our customers are from Venus and shops are from Mars. Right. And it's kind of a spoof on the book, men are from uh-huh. Mars and women are from Venus. And what it is, men and women use different communication styles, and shops and customers use different communication styles because to a shop, everything is technical. It's black, white, off, on, and all that, uh-huh. whereas to a customer, it's a million shades of gray. Right. So, again, you have to be sure to communicate, and if you just can't get the message across, then get in the car, get the tech in the car with you, go drive the car and say, that, right there, that's what I'm talking about. And you'd be maybe you couldn't articulate it. That's fine. You don't have to be a wordsmith, and you don't have to be able to. Right. You don't need to know all the technical terms. That's right. All you need to do is be able to show the technician what the car is doing that you don't want it to do, or what it's not doing that you do want to do. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And again, that's why I always felt it's so so powerful at to get the tech in the car with the customer. A lot of times, people come in, they're in a hurry, they want to just drop the keys keys and, and take off. Right. And they've got a very very vague complaint. I say, look. Why don't you drive with, well, I don't have time, I don't have time. Why would we reschedule this when you got more time? Mm-hmm. Because the odds of me finding this with such a vague description, right? I really don't even know what we're looking for. Well, can you just check everything? You take, can. I'll take that back. You take, can take, take every, six check months everything. It costs $25,000. But, but we can check everything. Yeah, we can check everything, but that's not going to be practical. Kind of like on a helicopter when you get so many hours. Just right. Tear just it tear, down, tear it all to pieces, and put, put it back, back together. Put the good stuff back and change everything else. Exactly. Yeah, it's just not practical. So, you know, we're always talking time and money. And, of course, to the client, money is going to be everything. Sure. And money always equates to time because the more time a shop has to spend, the more, the more money. they got to cover their overhead. they got to pay their employees. they got to buy their equipment. they got to do all these things, all based on time. Mm-hmm. So the things that you can do to speed up the time that it takes to repair the car is right. going to equate back to you saving money. By giving the symptoms up front so the technician knows what he's looking for. And if you can't do that, getting the technician that's going to work on your vehicle in the car and show him this is it. That's right. Now, the next stage to that, I guess the next level to that, is the dreaded intermittent problem. Uh-huh. And that's something that only that's, occurs that's very, very rarely. Now, if the situation that occurs is, let's say, life-threatening, Mm-hmm. In other words, I drive it for 50 miles. All of a sudden, the brakes lock up, and it just comes to a stop right wherever I'm at. Right. Well, clearly, you can't drive around like that. So you're going to have to pay somebody to get in the car and drive it 50 miles. Correct. But let's say I drive it every three months, and it's a little stumble, and then and it, it goes all by business. Well, that's probably something that it's going to cost way more to try to trace down. The problem is not that severe. Wait until it becomes more consistent. Sure. Because the odds of somebody being able to encounter that while they're driving, it happens once every three months. He can't drive the he car can't for keep, three yeah, months. Yeah, he can't keep your car and for three months. And even if he goes in and finds something wrong and corrects it, he's got to drive it another three it. months to see if it occurs again. Right. So there are things that you got to look at the level of seriousness here. I know it's unpleasant. I mm-hmm. know it makes you nervous. I know maybe you don't like it. However, again, when we're talking about cost, if money's no object, well, hey, yeah, sure. money's no object, but money is but the object. always an object. Right. And so there are certain things you're just going to need to wait until it becomes a little more consistent. You mm-hmm. know, I had a lady one time brought a car, and she says, well, about every three to four months, I turn the key, and it just goes click. Right. Okay, what do you do then? Well, I let it off, and I turn it again, and it starts. Okay, well, let's wait. Till, well, I'm scared it's not going to start one day. Well, one day it may not, but again, it's a very minor issue. It's a single click, and then it starts. It only occurs so very rarely, 
well, can't you change the starter? Well, sure, I can change the starter. I can change the starter relay. I can change the body control module. I can change the ignition switch. I can change a lot of stuff. But well, you're still not any better off. You won't know for three months if you've done anything. Right. So, you know, if you just got to do something, change one of the valve stem caps. <laughs> That's not going to fix it, but it's gonna, not going to cost much. Yeah. And there are exceptions to that rule. You know, let's say you've got a vehicle that has a inherent problem. Pattern failure. Pattern failure in this, in this vehicle. Right. You could suggest, hey, this vehicle has this pattern failure. These happen to most of the vehicles. Right. If you're willing to, we can put this part on, right. see if it fixes it. If it's an it. inexpensive part. If it's an inexpensive instance, part. You don't want to go changing a body module. No. The Honda, but, Honda had the issue with the PCMI relay. Sure. And occasionally, this would happen maybe once every month or every two months, crank, 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 car would not start. You let it sit there for 30 minutes, boom, cranks right up. Nobody could ever find it because by the time you got to the shop, it would start. Correct. Well, when we get those cars in and those year models, we say, look, let's replace the PCMI relay. Now, you got to understand, I might be wrong. But, but you're only it only spend, costs 20 bucks. Well, it's a $50 part, yeah. but it has a fairly high likelihood of fixing the problem. And as long as you understand if this was not it, it, right. was, it, was, a it was a gamble. But that was one thing you could do. Mm-hmm. But again, like I said, without either history or being able to duplicate it. Right. Then you're back to square one where we were a while ago. There you go. Let's go back to our phone lines with Garden. Good morning, Garden. Hey, Lewis and Brian, enjoy the show. Thank, thank you. I'm a, a very happy Agco customer. Oh, well, thank you. All right. I have a question about a 2008 Toyota Avalon. I normally bring it in, but this is something I thought I had to go to the dealer for. Mm-hmm. It's basically, I had a, I had two keys, you know, to remotely open the yes, sir. the mm-hmm. car. Uh-huh. One of them worked. One of them didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a battery or needed to be programmed on the other key. Well, my son lost the, the only key that remotely opened the door. Uh-oh. So went back to the dealer. Bought another key, and they just cannot seem to program it. And I don't know. Have y'all heard of? Uh, well, no. Just... Some of those older Toyotas had what they call a master key that had okay. to be used to program the car. They gave you that when you bought the car, and I want to say it was a red key as oh. opposed to the other ones. And if you didn't have that, you couldn't reprogram. I'm kind of going back. That's been a number of years yeah. they got away from that system. Okay. I know they did have that for a while, but. I would just have to go into service data, look it up. But, yeah, there are some other things. For instance, if the door lock actuators go out, which they do a fair amount, then it's not going to open with a remote transmitter, even if the transmitter's working. It just won't unlock the doors. And there's yeah, also, some, been... also some relays and some other stuff that can disable it other than just the transmitter. we got a device we can check the transmitter and see if it's working or not. And if it's not working, we can go from there. I could pretty much diagnose any problem you'd have with it. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, am I right that the dealer itself has to has to actually program the key? No, itself, we, we can do that. No. Or you can do it. Yes, okay. Sir. Anybody with okay. Toyota software Anybody access Toyota to Toyota, uh-huh. you're right. Can I do gotcha. that. All righty. Okay. Well, I have two keys. I'll I'll probably give Miss Lane a call. And All right, Garden. See what y'all can do. It. Thanks, guys. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. All right. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I, we always love to have you. All them cars are different, and they're all trying to each one get their own system when it comes to that security stuff. Right. It's Man, it's tough to keep up with. It is really, really difficult without looking at service data to know how this particular system sure. works. So. Hey, we've got to take one last quick little break. Jane, hold up. You'll be straight after this break. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and, man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. 
Lewis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Lewis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Lewis, James here, 40 years, wow. You know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. And we're going to try to catch as many of these calls as we can. We've got James been patiently holding. Good morning, James. Good morning, Lewis. How you doing? Doing wonderful. Listen, I got a kind of a silly question, but okay. I'm on the road a lot. I have a 2015 Nissan Rogue. Okay. And I have the little warning system. You know how new cars are computerized. And mm-hmm. I'm getting a warning system now doing weather changes on my tires. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, and it's telling me very low pressure, whatever. Right. But then when... The weather warms up, the tire pressure goes back right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's very common, Jane, because, see, air pressure is based on temperature. And as the temperature increases, the pressure increases. So what you've got is they're being set pretty close to the threshold. Let's say the threshold is 32 PSI. That's when the light comes on. Well, if you put them at 33 on a warm day, they're fine. But then when the weather gets cold, they drop down to 29, wham, light comes on. As soon as you start driving, they heat up some, the light may go back off again. So what you're going to need to do is put just a little bit more air in them or adjust them when you're hot and cold. But Okay. I uh, there's Sometimes there's a high level also, which will make it come on if you put too much. But try putting maybe a couple pounds extra in them and just see if that doesn't eliminate the problem. All right. I'll All right. certainly do it, Lewis. All right. Thank you, Thank my you man. ma'am. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to try to quickly catch this other call. We got Rose online. Good morning, Rose. Hi, that was one of my questions. I have a Nissan Murano, uh-huh. and I was going to ask that same Very, thing. very common question. <laughs> yeah. and normally, putting a couple of extra pounds in the tire will get rid of that. And I was going to say the same thing. I'm in my car by myself, and when I see something come on, I panic. You yeah. know, but all these lights are wonderful, but they do tend to freak people out because there's so many lights, it seems like one's always on. And a lot of them don't mean anything. Like, they got a maintenance reminder light that comes on every so many miles. People see it, and, oh, my God. The car's what do I do break. now? Yeah. yeah, and it's just a maintenance reminder. Exactly. But my other question was, uh, in my Murano, it's a it's a, a audio uh, problem. Okay. The uh, the CD changer, mm-hmm. I've put a CD in there, and when I hit eject, it won't come out. Okay. And then I'll put it in two, and it'll play a little bit, and then that one won't come out. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you can do, or do I need to take that to an auto specialist? Well, we we can look at it for you, but Jane, uh, excuse me, Rose. Almost every time you got to replace that whole player. There's yeah. no serviceable parts on, and okay, most car companies have an exchange basis. In other words, you send the old one back in, they send you another one, and it's not as much as buying a new one, but they, they're still kind of pricey. But I don't know of anyone who's able to actually repair those. It's generally going to be an exchange type thing. Okay, so I need to take that to the dealership. No, ma'am. Okay. Any, any good, any good independent shop could fix that for you without any problem. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank Bye-bye. you, ma'am. Bye bye. All right. I see we have just about squandered another totally good hour. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Still got a couple of minutes left. We were talking about just communicating with a shop, Correct. getting the information across. And those last two callers kind of bring up a good example. Both of them had specific problems 
He knew specifically when it happened. For instance, the first lady says, you know, my light comes on when it gets cold. When it gets hot, it goes, goes back off. off. Da, 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 da. Well, see, that saves you from having to go in and do a bunch of diagnostics on the tire pressure monitoring system if she just says my light is on. Well, you can go check all the sensors and all that, come back and say, well, no problem found. But if she tells you, well, it comes on, it comes, okay, we know we got a threshold problem there. Just because put a little bit more air in the tire. Related. We just saved a visit in and a bunch mm-hmm. of expense. Because and think about it, too. If you can't remember it, write it down. Yeah, that's right. Take and write it down. That way you don't have to try to remember it when you get to the shop. Mm-hmm. You can take that piece of paper, give refresh your memory, and give it to them. And the technician can actually read, hey, this happened right. when the temperature changed. Right. And when the temperature went this way, it went off. It's Same thing with Rose. She says, you know, I put it in. One won't come out. I put a note in place for a little while. But, again, good, good information. Sure, great information. Pertinent information. The kind of stuff that a shop needs, needs. to know. And, you know, I don't know either one of those ladies personally, but I would bet that they probably have a pretty good experience when they go get their car service mm-hmm. because they are communicating properly. But a lot of times, so, so many times, people just come in, they want to throw the keys on the desk and take and off run. and just a bit of information. But, again, it's not that the car can't be fixed like that. It's just that it's going to take a lot longer to repair, and it's going to cost you a lot more money. And exactly. the odds that it, the may problem not. that's bothering you may not get fixed. Sure. So just something to kind of ponder on next time you get your car fixed. <laughs> hey, I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning, every Saturday morning, Automotive Hour. Like thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And if you go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service and right. see if they have offer a written, written review. review. That's right. And go ahead and fill that out for us and, and send it on in because that, right. that moves us up in the ratings so other people can find us. That's right. Whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Podbean or whoever whatever there's, there's lots and yeah. lots of fine services out there they almost all have a place for a written review mm-hmm. and what the broadcasters do is they look at those reviews the ones with the most good reviews they assume are the better shows so they can so bring they those to closer top. up when you do a search kind of moves us up more people can listen we can keep doing the show that's <laughs> great hey preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend Protect your retirement. Visit safemoneyplan.net. It's 11 o'clock. This is Baton Rouge's local talk leader. Talk 107.3 FM, WBRP, Baker, Baton Rouge. And the news starts now. I'm Gary Nunn. The funeral mass for Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia is underway now in Washington. Live to CBS News correspondent Howard Ehrenstein. The mass is being led by Scalia's son, Father Paul Scalia. Oh